Hey, I'm Francis Lamb, and this is Weeknight Kitchen, a podcast all about getting great food on your table in the middle of the week. Best-selling cookbook author and New York Times food columnist Melissa Clark takes us into her kitchen for recipe play-by-play, and this week, she answers the question, what is a chicken tender? Besides delicious, of course. washing my hands because I have chicken cutlets all over my fingers. Well, not anymore. Now they're very clean. I am going to make crispy chicken cutlets for you today, otherwise known as chicken schnitzel, otherwise known as, um, really, it's the same thing as chicken tenders. So have you ever wondered what a chicken tender is? I mean, really, what are they? Well, let me tell you what they are. They are expensive because they charge, sometimes they charge 50% more for chicken tenders than for regular chicken breasts. And you know what the tenders are? They're actually just chicken breasts cut into small pieces. A true chicken tender is when you cut the breast off a chicken, you're gonna see this little flap underneath. And this little flap is like an elongated triangle. It's like this little individual muscle that is in fact very tender. And sometimes, they sell those actual pieces as chicken tenders. But you're just as likely if you buy a package of chicken tenders to get pieces of regular breast meat cut up in that same shape. So, you know what? You can take a chicken breast and cut it up yourself. So next time you, you know, they want to charge you, you know, I don't know, $12 a pound for chicken tenders, say, yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, but what I have here, I have chicken breasts, big ones that have been halved. They have been halved so that they're thin and each breast is two chicken cutlets. Um, When you buy chicken cutlets, you need to look at them and you need to decide if they're thin enough for you. Are these thin enough? If they are thin enough, then you proceed, and I think these are perfectly fine. But if they're not, if you want them thinner, then you just take your rolling pin or a side of a wine bottle, or you know what, you can even use a hammer as long as you clean it, and you just smack them around a little bit and you make them even and thin all over. All right, and I just touched this, so now I'm gonna wash my hands again. See, I'm telling you, you gotta wash your hands all day long. And the reason I wash my hands is because I have to, I have to set up my mise en place. Because when you make chicken cutlets, you really need to make sure that everything is set up before you go, so that um, once your hands get all chickeny, you don't have to worry. So I've got three bowls in front of me. They're shallow bowls, they're my pasta bowls. And in one of them is a cracked egg. I'm about to put breadcrumbs in the second, and I'm using panko breadcrumbs. Panko panko breadcrumbs, they're Japanese breadcrumbs, and they're made from white bread, and they're particularly fluffy, and I really like them for chicken cutlets because it makes them very light. And I'm gonna grab a spoon and spoon some flour into the third bowl. And now I'm gonna season. So I'm gonna add some salt to my flour mixture and some pepper. I'm gonna stir that around. And then I'm gonna put some cumin, some ground cumin into the panko, which you don't have to do if you're not a cumin fan, but I love cumin so much that I am gonna do it. All right, I'm just gonna mix that in. And it smells really good. I love cumin. Now the advantage of putting the cumin in the panko as opposed to say in the flour or right on the chicken itself is that the panko is the last layer and it's the thing that's gonna touch the oil. So the cumin is gonna toast. And when you toast cumin, it makes it even more powerfully spiced. So it just brings out the flavor. So you might as well put it there. 
Um, you could also put it, you know, on the chicken cutlets. And it doesn't have to be cumin. It could be anything you love. It could be chili. It could be, um, gosh, curry powder would be delicious. It could be, what else would be good? Coriander. You know, whatever you want. Um, if you put it in with a panko, it's going to toast. Okay, now I know I just told you that I seasoned the flour with salt and pepper. I'm also seasoning the chicken cutlets with salt and pepper because you just, you really need to season as you go in many stages. This is what sets really delicious food apart from less delicious food. And since I know that you make the most delicious food, you are gonna season both the flour and the chicken. Okay, now I'm gonna beat up the egg with my fork. And the egg is kind of like the glue. It's what keeps the panko stuck to the chicken. So this is how it's gonna go. I'm gonna use one hand for coating the chicken and it's gonna get really messy. My fingers are gonna become full of panko and egg. And the other hand, I'm not gonna to touch any of the toppings. I'm just gonna use it to touch the chicken so that it doesn't get all crummy. You following me? It makes more sense when you do it yourself. So into my right hand, I have my chicken. I'm picking up the chicken and this is very important. The order in which you dip is essential. First into the flour, okay? Because the chicken's kind of slippery and the flour dries it off a little bit and creates a surface on which the egg will stick. If I took this wet, slick chicken breast and stuck it right in the egg, that egg would slide right off it and would do me no good. So this flour is creating a surface for the egg. And now, okay, so I've dipped my chicken breast into the flour. I've turned it around and it's entirely coated with flour. And now I'm dropping it into the egg. And I'm using my crumb hand, so I'm using my dirty hand. And I'm going to use that to turn the chicken in the egg. And the egg is now sticking to the floured chicken. I'm gonna pick it up and I'm actually letting some of the egg drip back into the bowl. So I want a very thin coating of egg. Otherwise, you know how when you get a chicken cutlet sometimes and it's like got those clumps? You don't want the clumps. You want a thin, delicate coating. And now I'm dropping it into the crumbs and I'm using that same crummy hand, the eggy hand. It's now my eggy and crummy hand. And that is going into the crumbs and I'm coating it. And you know, I'm using my fingers to actually help spread the panko all over the chicken. And as I'm doing so, I smell cumin, which is delightful. And, um, you know, if you don't have panko, just use whatever crumbs you have, you know, regular breadcrumbs, cracker crumbs. Okay, and now I'm taking this, and in front of me, I have cleverly set up a wire rack on top of a baking sheet. And I'm going to put this chicken on top of it, I'm just going to let it sit while I do the rest of my chicken. I'm just going to do the exact same process with the rest of my chicken cutlets, and we're going to be right back. Hey, hang on. Just like she said, Melissa will be right back. Okay, let's get back to Melissa, who's elbow deep in breading. And we are back. I have all of my chicken cutlets um, breaded and coated and ready to go. Um, I'm gonna cook them immediately, but say that you wanted to prep all your chicken cutlets ahead and not fry them. Like in the morning, you're really industrious and you get up and you do it. You just put that whole pan of coated, breaded chicken cutlets in the fridge and it can hang out all day. It'll be fine for, you know, eight, 10 hours. Then pull it out of the fridge and fry it up. So I have on my stove my trusty skillet. 
my no, this is it's actually not a skillet, it's a saute pan. You know what the difference is? Skillets have those slope sides, saute pans have straight sides. So this has straight sides. But you know what? You could actually use a skillet, it totally doesn't matter. I'm just I'm being nitpicky here. Anyway, take your pan, heat it up, you know, get your pan really hot before you add the oil. So I'm gonna do that because I am going to practice what I preach. Now I'm using grapeseed oil here. I like to fry in either grapeseed oil or sunflower oil. I hate frying in canola oil. Canola oil to me has an off flavor and an off odor. It smells like, to me, it smells like fish to me and I can taste it. It tastes, it always tastes off. So, you know, use whatever oil you wanna use. Make sure you're using a, an oil that can withstand high heat. Um, and I really think grapeseed oil is, is great. It's economical, it's great, and it's very clean. So, all right, and after that spiel, I can tell you my pan is hot. Let's put in some oil. I'm gonna put in about between an eighth and a quarter of an inch. I need enough oil to, um, well, you'll see. I have a special frying technique that I can't wait to tell you about. But you do, let's just say you need enough oil that you could actually be able to see it. And when you swirl it, it you'll, it'll pool up on the side. So let's get that oil hot. That's gonna take another few seconds. So question, how do you know if your oil is hot? Well, there are several ways you can tell. First way is you can actually see it shimmering. You know, it starts to shimmer. If you look at it really closely, you can see the surface moving ever so slightly. And that's, that's the shimmer I'm talking about. But if you can't quite tell, there's other ways. So if you've got breadcrumbs here, like I do on my chicken, you can throw it in the pan and see if it sizzles. And yeah, it's sizzling, it's hot enough. You can't really hear it because it's just one itty bitty little crumb, but trust me, you can see the sizzle. So I know my oil is hot enough. And now I'm gonna add my chicken cutlet. Now, never ever crowd the pan. Yeah, that's good. Depending on how, how big your pan is, you either fry one or two cutlets at a time. You know, if you crowd the pan, um, they're gonna steam and they're never gonna brown. So let me add one more to the pan because my pan is big. That's perfect. So what's my special technique for frying? Instead of just letting the cutlets sit, I'm swirling the pan and I'm letting the oil, the hot oil cascade right over the cutlets. And that hot oil, it's actually funny, it's cascading over the thinner one. The thicker one, it's kind of not. So I'm gonna use a spoon to help it along. And by having the oil run over the cutlets, it helps crisp. And it also creates these little air pockets. So the breading is going to almost lift off from the surface of the chicken. And you're gonna get this like extra special crunch. It's like, okay, imagine the flakes of a pie crust, okay? So you eat a pie crust, you crunch it, and there are little flakes in your mouth. That's what I want with my chicken. And so you just wanna do this. And okay, well, here's another thing. If, you're, if it's sticking to the pan, it's not done. When something is properly cooked, it will release. So as you're swirling, you can also tell once it starts to release. And I mean, you can nudge it a little bit with a spoon, but you shouldn't have to really dig under there. If you have to dig under there with your spatula, it's just not done. Give it another minute. Can you hear the pan? That's me swirling, kind of shaking it actually. I'm like shaking. And as I'm shaking, the oil's sort of bubbling up over my cutlets. Ah, beautiful. So now I've got a very nice dark brown 
I would call that Kentucky Fried Chicken Brown. And now I'm turning. Here's the thing. The chicken is probably at this point, when I've turned it, 75% cooked. So you don't need to cook it as long on the other side because you've already poured hot oil over it. So you've started the cooking. So if say that, that was what, a minute and a half, two minutes on one side, it's gonna be maybe a minute or 45 seconds on the other side, depending on how thin or thick your cutlet is. Swirling the pan, letting the oil cascade over the top, same thing. And it's done. I'm gonna take these out and then continue with the rest of my cutlets. But before I put any more cutlets in the pan, I'm gonna salt these. I'm gonna salt my cutlets while they are still hot. And salting while fried foods are still hot is essential. You must do it. Because if you try to salt as soon as it's cooled down, right now it's hot and the salt is gonna to stick to it. If you try to salt it later, it doesn't stick and a lot of it will roll off and then you'll just have to add more. So always salt when it's hot. All right, so I have sauteed all of my chicken cutlets. They're all browned and gorgeous and crunchy looking. They look like oversized chicken tenders and I mean that in the best possible way. And now I'm gonna serve them. So what do I use to, what do I serve them with? I mean, yes, you could do ketchup, but my favorite way is to have something sweet and a little bit sour. Um, when I was um, in Austria, I had veal cutlets, you know, schnitzel done the exact same way and they served it with lingonberry jam. And I thought, oh my God, this is such a good combination. So my version of that is I like to do it with a, like a little cranberry sauce, basically a cranberry chutney. And um, in my cookbook, I have a recipe that has kumquats and it's fabulous. But you know what else is really good? You could just buy some lingonberry jam at Ikea and serve it right with this and some lemon wedges and you have the acidity and you have the brightness and you have the sweetness and it is such a good combination. I hope you make this soon and I hope you enjoy and I'll talk to you soon. Melissa Clark is a New York Times food columnist and author of Dinner Changing the Game. You can find that recipe for crispy chicken cutlets with kumquats and cranberries at weeknightkitchen.org. And next week, she is back with her mother and a recipe for lemon vanilla rice pudding made in an Instant Pot. I'm Francis Lamb, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.